You are now tuned into the Antidote Podcast with DJ Graphmatic and Paulie Dance. Subscribe now and please consider leaving us a five-star review. Take the Antidote. What's good, everybody? This is DJ Craftmatic. You know what it is. Welcome to the Antidote Podcast show. Man, I'm so glad to be just back doing this and we we back in the swing. So appreciate all y'all listeners. Uh, you already know who I got with me, though, man. It, it ain't nothing if without my brother right here, Polly Dubs. Yo, what's all this madness that's uh, going on? How's everybody doing? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, more importantly, thanks for subscribing and sharing our content. Yeah. Thank you for all the listeners, everybody that's been checking us out over the last like year, the year and a half that we've been doing this shit. It's, it's like time has been uh, flying by, you know, shit. What episode yeah. is this? I don't even know what episodes we're on. Yeah, now. This is like <laughs> 58 or something, maybe 60. I don't know. <laughs> somewhere in there. Hey, we somewhere in there. We're somewhere in there, man. Hey, shit. Uh, either way. Thank y'all for listening. We don't, we don't keep track. We're just, we just letting the time fly, man. Actually, we do keep track. We just ain't keeping track like ourselves. <laughs> it's like numbered on the on the shit, so y'all know what episodes this is. But yeah, um, yeah you, you already know. Uh, we're we're back with an interesting topic um, because it, it, it's it's kind of different, and we we want to do something different, of course, because this is um, you know a, a different uh, thing. We want to get people on, like we want to just have people really thinking about things and how things are going. And, um, we wanted to kind of talk about an interesting contrast of, um, what it is that people who reach fame, like once you reach that level of fame, uh, we, we see some people constantly falling off and there's a lot of things that, that end up going into that. Um, but yeah, it always seems though like you have to pay a price. Yeah. You have to pay in order, the price. in order to get to that level. And, um, you see it a lot with, I mean, recently there's like a string of rappers just getting killed, um, and dying really young ages. I think, yeah. you know, just in the past month, there's been, uh, two rappers that got murdered, right? Two, two murdered and two shot. Yeah. Two murdered and two shot. And it all kind of ties into the price for fame. Right. Uh, especially, you know, like, Benny the Butcher, he got robbed at a Walmart or something in Houston and got shot in the leg because um, he's famous, right? Right. Um, young Vaughn got into a fight with another rapper. And uh, King Vaughn, yeah, King Vaughn. Oh, King Vaughn, sorry. King yep. Vaughn got in a, a fight with another rapper, Quando Rondo, and someone immediately pulled a gun on him and shot him. Uh, obviously, if they the beefs going on between two famous people. So it's the price of fame. Then, uh, you know, even going back to like the murder of triple X in Miami a couple of years ago, cause he was famous. They seen him and they followed him. So, um, it's just kind of crazy. Like, first of all, that it's like hunting season on rappers, especially in, in Texas, it seems like all four of those shootings, right. We're all in Texas. Yeah. Um Boosie, Boosie badass. Well, I don't I don't know if Quando and Rondo uh, and the and the one you know all of that. I don't know if that one was in Texas. I was in Dallas, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. was in Dallas too. So yeah, then there were that one was in Dallas. So was uh M M O E three. Um he he got shot in Dallas, shot and killed in Dallas. That was mm-hmm. uh like a week after or less than a week after King yeah. Bond. Then Boosie got shot in Houston. And uh, Boosie Badass, of course, from Louisiana, he got shot in Houston. I think that was at the same Walmart, wasn't it? It might have been. And I think it was related (laughs) with the uh, MO3 
shooting too. See, that's just wild, man. Like, like you said, it's hunting season and it's what is the price for fame? I mean, we look at it and we'll start with that. Like just, just social media, the social media age. Um, yeah. The so social media. Pop Smoke got, got killed because of social media because he posted correct. his address on social media. So yeah, continue. Well, what the, no, no, you, you definitely uh, brought a, a great point because we already talked about that. <laughs> I think on episode maybe uh, 20, 20 something or 30, something, somewhere in there. We, we did talk about that. Um, and that was the same thing. It was like, and that's literally been less than a year that we put that episode out. And here we are again within the, the year talking about the same thing. Um, and really it's, it, it is what is the price of fame, like the social media age that we live in. I will say like this generation, this generational just popping thing. And, and we kind of talked about this before in other episodes as well, is just looking at the overall like we've been kind of in this for a while and this is what was built up from all of this like uh you and i's kind of generation probably you're a little, you're a little bit older than me but yeah. in your generation and my generation we're we kind of grew up in that we 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 saw like the the ever changing of how quickly everything evolved we went from uh vinyl records to tapes to cds um, computers. I mean, the, the internet itself starting in 1995 being like dial up to everybody. That's when they yeah. like launched it to the world pretty much where everybody can get to it. Where AOL, there's like AOL discs in the line at yeah, like grocery AOL. store. You know what I'm saying? Like they were, they were pushing to get everybody. Net zero, on. bro. Remember the net zero ones too? Same thing. And I remember yeah. even like, uh, even just phones thinking like cell phones we had, when we were in the age of where it was just getting into a car, like you could get a, a personal cell phone and that shit was a brick. Yeah. And then they yep. started putting them in cars and shit. And then next thing you know, you know, we got away from pay phones and having to use 1-800-COLLECT to now we have a mini computer in our pagers. hands. Yeah. You'd pagers, everything. Like we went from that to this. And so this, this new age of just how everything is like, they, they don't know any different. And so living through the internet, is what a lot of these people do. And the internet is actually really dangerous. Like we don't ever talk about how dangerous the internet itself or social media itself is dangerous. And yeah, it, it's overly crazy. dangerous, especially no one ever really talks about the psychological danger of social media, how, yes. uh, you know, you get likes or reactions and they produce dopamine and it, it kind of games your your body in a way to kind of seek that little high. And, um, on top of that, you know, dangerous people being online, uh, manipulation of the algorithm, which can lead to basically deciding what mood you will be in for the day is what the algorithm decides to show you. And I'm sure sometimes you can notice that it's going to show you shit that's going to tilt you. Some right. days, some days it'll show you shit that, that will make you smile and laugh. But a lot of times they'll sneak in that shit that's going to tilt you. Um, I don't know. It's wild. Yeah. And so we've, from that point though, we've, we've built a society of 
this is what it is. And as you said, like the dopamine and things that that trigger in everybody's brain and that's all you're thinking about. And that's all that's, you know, and, and it's really becoming a habit. Like even for myself, I have to remind myself like, yo, you got to put your phone down or you got to put this social yeah. media stuff down for a minute because it just gets too much. It gets and then, overwhelming. And then you also um, get bombarded with more ads now than ever before because you're, <laughs> yeah. scroll, you're scrolling through the thread and the, you're watching an ad on TV, you're getting an ad on the website you're looking at on your computer and as you're scrolling you're going through 20 different ads that are all meant to sell you to consume that's to buy. exactly what just instagram just did like that fucking update is super trash it is super trash this is exactly what they did they basically made an online market and we should have known because it was they're the makers of facebook but or they own face facebook owns them i mean yeah so they're, they're basically the same thing, just in a different thing, but that's what they did. And that's but, what they make more of now. And then well, they put more speed and everything else. But the manipulation too of the shopping button on Instagram is they put it in the spot where you used to be able to check where all your likes were. Right. So that's the spot where your dopamine was released. Every time you clicked on that tab. Now, when you click that tab, it takes you to a store. Right. Which so it just it, habit, it's, it's all habit. Like uh, they train people's thoughts and mm -hmm. where it's at in habit. And then, yeah, they change it up. So now it's at the top, um, same button, but it's just in a different place. And yeah, so it, it's, it's training things like that. And that's, and that's what we, we live in this society of that. Like right. we, we watch so much of these algorithms and things like that because we are all influenced. Like literally everything that we do involves either social media or, or just something on the internet. Like just think about how much that is the entire thing. I, I yo, it was crazy. Cause I, I was thinking about that. I had my AirPods in, so I was listening to music. I'm waiting at Wingstop to get my food on Sunday and I I'm standing there. And when I looked in there, there was, and there was probably a lot of people, I, I would say at least like 10 to 15 people in there. And this is during COVID of course. So you know, it's frowned upon, but they got people in there. Everybody's waiting for their wings. I remember looking at everybody in the room distinctly at one time and everybody's head was down looking at a phone yeah. just in one instant, like the entire group. And I think that's because everybody was waiting. Obviously there's nothing, what else are you going to do? But then that's exactly what it is. What else are you going to do? Um, that's what they're trained. They've trained you to do. Now you're stuck to your phone all the time. Now you're listening to, well, I was listening to music, so I didn't, I had it in my hand for a second, but I put it away. And that's when I noticed it. Cause I was probably in that group too. At the same time, we probably all were looking at our phones <laughs> at the same exact time. And that's crazy. Um, and, and the point of what we're making to that is if you look at the way that even music is pushed through social media is it's, it's very much similar as we're even talking about just now, as you said, the, um, you know, uh, the way that the ads are set up and things like that. Music is almost the same thing because music is so easy, e readily available now. It's yes. so easy to make. It's, it's at your fingertips at any moment in any time. And because of that, you're able to get your, your message out there. You're able to do whatever you want to do. And we see that with these rappers. Um, it really starts with what their social media presence is doing. Um, it's, it's also dangerous that, and it's people, we, we all had that. Everybody has some. So like, uh, Polly, think of your favorite rapper. Um, your favorite rapper, you would probably follow to the ends of the earth as far as like, yeah, you're going to ride for what they, you know, yeah. they probably meet with you um, for what you would have for standard wise and all kinds of things like that. And, <laughs> and I put that in that way because I think of like, 
so you can tell some people's character based on even who they like musically. Like I would, I could ask somebody a question, name me your top five artists. And I could probably tell what kind of person you are. Um, and that, that kind of tells a story. So these fans though, of these artists are probably just as triggering as anything else. Um, yeah. amongst talking to the, each other, the fans and the people, their teams egg things on and make it even worse. Um, I think in a the good case example of, is like Beyonce. Okay. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. The Bayhive. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a great example. If, or Taylor Swift. If you Taylor shade, Swift, if you shade, uh, Nicki Minaj. If you shade either of these women online, you're going to hear it from, it'll seem like it's bots attacking you. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Real, like, <laughs> I can't remember who I did that to. Yo, who did I do that one to one time? Oh, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like an artist or somebody. It was, uh, I flamed Stacy Dash on Twitter. I remember uh-huh. that's what it was. I flamed Stacy Dash on Twitter and I got hella likes. She even responded like we were arguing. Um, <laughs> and this is Stacy Dash. And I was just talking about her coonery um, <laughs> that she was having on there. <laughs> My wife just looked at me like, why would you say that? I hate that word. But anyways, um, I got attacked like hard, hardcore. There was hella people coming from left and right, all different makes, colors, size, whatever. Yo, just trying to come at me. It was the wildest shit. And it was like, it was like bots. It's like bots coming after you for sure. Because there was a lot of, um, a lot of them didn't have any photo pic, like they they had no picture on their profile or they had like a fucking cat and like one follower or zero followers. And they had, they follow like 10 people. Like it would just be from nowhere, these random ass pages. And that's what, and that's what it was. And it was like, they, they would definitely fight me in the street if they saw me. Cause I was going back at the ass hard. So it was good. <laughs> it was fun. Um, it was fun in that moment, but even still like think of how, how that portrays and even more so in the biggest fashion of that is think of just the the recent presidency. I mean, just looking at Twitter and everything else, looking at Donald Trump on Twitter and how he basically inspires just a group of people like a cult. Yeah. And you can follow it like that and you can follow it to that extent to where you'll find other people who think like-minded like you if you have all of these weird-ass fucking ideas, especially like as a Donald Trump type of person, um, you know, or just says the most wild shit and people gravitate towards that, you basically, he's basically kind of polarized a whole situation in the last four years that we haven't seen since the 60s. No. It's been going on, but in this last four years, the polarizing shits that happens and the words that's been said, he's also pushed that to a whole nother level. And we don't talk politics on this shit very often because fuck the politics. But yeah. when we do, um, I mean, we we both know that that's how it is. And it's no different when it comes to this rap shit. Like yeah. even when on this rapper side or the music side, just in general. And it, I think it's mostly, uh, it really does impact like, especially the black community when it comes to the rap and the music. Um, Polly and I, or Polly actually has shared with me uh, a link to finally peep this uh, Devil's Pie documentary for D'Angelo. Yeah. And that really was a retrospective look at how fame, the price of fame, can really do something to you. And we kind of wanted to talk about that a a little bit as well, because we'll tie in how all of that is a price of fame. Um, So we look at rappers dying. We look at them, that's their price of fame, is their life. King Von now has a trending album on iTunes 
because he's dead, not because he was well known. Like I never heard of him as a DJ. I've never heard of him. I had people who talked about, I, I saw like maybe two people that I know has talked about him before, maybe on like Facebook or something. But I, I honestly, I looked over it because there's a million rappers and they all sound the same. So I, <laughs> um, until you can blow my socks off, I'm not going to really um, know who you are. I mean, all these guys kind of sound the same. They make the same kind of music. So, you know, listening to even, I had listened to a couple of his tracks. I mean, he just doesn't sound like anything that's that's not different and that's no disrespect. I'm just saying like, you know, there's a million of them. So even with him, you know, dying, that's how he made a name for himself, to be honest. Like he's gotten to a million listeners now probably versus his small number that he had at a smaller rate before. Um, so, but that's the price of fame. Right. His people, his people are eating his, his family can probably eat depending on how they release music, so on and so forth. But I mean, that makes it totally different. Right. And the thing is too, um, I think besides the weekend, I know he has one of the top three albums this year in terms of album sales. Um, but the other two top selling albums of the year, Pop Smoke, who we talked about before, and then Juice World, uh, who also died, I think also at, died at 19 years old of a drug overdose. Yep. Right. Also, the the price of fame. Um, yeah. All and of Mac Miller too. I mean, Mac that Miller. was last year, but or yeah. two years ago now. And, but it, and it's then. not, a, and it's not something that affects only black artists. It affects white artists as well. Um, oh, absolutely. There's like the 27 Club, right, with Kurt Cobain and Amy, uh, Amy Winehouse. Winehouse and Janis mm-hmm. Joplin and uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, he died at the age of 27 as well. So it's Marvin Gaye. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, but the the Devil's Pie documentary kind of it kind of brings up a lot of good questions uh, and can lead to some good discussion based on, on some of the things that are in that movie. Um, and it's kind of basically, you know, D'Angelo was on top of the world. I think he sold almost 2 million copies of his album Voodoo, uh, yep. who a lot of people regard, you know, a lot, a lot of music critics or people that really know music regard that as one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, and it's a including timeless. yourself, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely including myself. I would say D'Angelo is my favorite artist of all time. So I've always been wanting to see this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just something, his music's just really timeless and it's really just engineered really well, really made really well. It's, it's crazy just kind of how all the instruments kind of mesh in the composition of the music. Um, he just really, really stands out to me. He's, you know, to me, the the music, the music itself was gritty street, but also really elegant in the fact Mm -hmm. that he was able to do a lot of things. And I think that helped a lot, especially with voodoo. Um, We go back to Brown Sugar and then you go to voodoo, like Brown Sugar was also a hit too. So he was already, already there. And then he followed it up with another classic album. And that's very hard for a lot of artists. If you think through artists in time, really the greatest, greatest artists are the ones who don't hit a back-to-back wall. A lot of people, when they drop their sophomore album, they don't really uh, hang in there. Yeah. Uh, they don't really, that's where, that's pretty much where you make or break it. That's like where your right. career is. If your sophomore album does well, then you will have a decent career, maybe a longer career than the most. Um, but we've seen a lot who've also dropped those types of albums and it's always flopped. Um, so D'Angelo had a lot of pressure coming in, but Voodoo was just so great. And I think a lot of the things that uh, Dilla did 
to his music as far as like having quest love dilla pino paladino like that's those are very very touted people like you got some of the best artists in the world at your fingertips and uh, you know, looking looking at that, you can you could even see the anxiety in him during that entire filming. Like even the after part when they were doing the yeah. tour with the Vanguard, you can still see the anxiety that he has about. And it's not even that it's it's not when it's on the stage; it's when he gets off the stage. And yes. that was really powerful. And I think that's kind of how it is for a lot of these rappers, and especially um, even just people in general and people right now are feeling these things. Um, it's the anxiety of who you are trying to be or, or what you can do during this time. Um, we're seeing it across the board and even these people, they're lashing out or, you know, true colors are being shown because we're in a different time where people are more self-reflecting, I would think. Um, and that's where a lot of issues can, can even arise. And we see that even with, you know, the suicides happening and things right now. Um, and I want to definitely say, if you, if you are having those thoughts, please make sure you call the suicide hotline and, um, you re- you really actually, uh, try to seek help like for real. And we see a lot of these things coming through though. And that includes just violence towards others. And, um, yeah, looking, looking at that, at that, documentary what do you think makes what do you think really changes the person's thoughts as far as for where they are like even understanding where d'angelo was it's like he lost himself in being the superstar so then yes that that did catch up to him and i think i see that a lot more in the black artists though so i know you said it doesn't affect just black uh, you know black artists but yeah. it really it, it, i think it impacts us even more i think especially uh, nowadays it it's definitely yes. set up that way and i think that's with you know hip hop pushing as a genre black artists actually this is probably the best time ever in the history of the world to be a black artist where you could put out your own music and they're not going to steal it you know what i mean you could put it out under your right. own name and and get the credit for it and everyone's going to see that that's your music right um, as opposed to you know the muddy waters era or you know, anytime until maybe Chuck the nineties, <laughs> anytime until about the the nine eighties or nineties. Right. Right. Um, like, I think Mike was the first one that yeah. really started changing that shit like really hard. And then of course, Prince. Yes, most definitely. So I think that was kind of the transition there. Um, but I think, I don't know the, the one thing uh, in the movie quest loves brings up that it's a survivor's guilt that you get if you make it out of yeah. the hood. And, and you prosper. So I think that might have something to do with it. I think there's pressure um, within the black community. Um, you know, you, other people are going to hate on you and things like that. Uh, on top of probably the racism that you're dealing with head on, like, you know, right. you're big, you're Good the biggest point. artist in the world, but you're still dealing with, with bullshit. You're still nothing to yeah. those people. Um, That's a great point. I think that has a part to do with it. Um, But I think the biggest part of it, and, you know, the movie is called Devil's Pie. It's named after D'Angelo's song from that voodoo album. Um, And it's a song about selling your soul to the devil. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, Pretty much. And you could take that literally. um, There's the Robert Johnson story, right? Um, or you can take it figuratively, um, because when you are the top artist in the world, 
you are faced with every temptation that the world offers, uh, that you get to see the darkest of, of the dark. You have yep. everything at your fingertips. You ask for something, it's, it's going to be served to you on a platter at the time you want it to be. Right. So, so that's the temptation part of it. Um, with the D'Angelo movie, it kind of contrasted it against his faith growing up and his upbringing in the church. Uh, his dad had a church and his grandma had a church in Virginia. And he was, he was basically brought up as a church musician. They had like his little going away from the church thing once he signed his label deal. Yep. They had like the footage there of his church kind of wishing him away and stuff like that. And said his dad or his, his mom always said, don't play the devil's music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it goes to the story through the story of his bandmate Pookie from the Vanguard. Yeah. Yeah. That, that at the end was wild, man. I was yeah. like, oh shit. And even at the beginning of the movie, like Pookie had all kinds of problems with his family uh, uh, and leaving the church. He didn't know if he wanted to play secular music. Right. And he, he kind of got brought into the band. Excellent musician. Uh, and the, that's the other thing is like, just the way D'Angelo has the best musicians of the world, like at his fingertips to build like a Voltron super band. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Even at the age of 19 years old. And I think a lot of it is, it was the, uh, the voodoo album was made during the Soulquarian sessions. Um, yeah. So Q-Tip and Raphael Sadiq, Erica Badu. I mean, just everybody. Yeah. There's the, the, and common <laughs> and common. The, common. Yep. The big three albums they made at the Electric Lady Studios were uh, Common, like Water for Chocolate, Erica Badu, Baduism, and Voodoo. Yep. And then I think they did a bunch of root sessions down there as well. Questlove basically was like the executive producer of the entire scenario. And yep. Um, and then of course, Jay Dilla too. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. And Jay Dilla as well. Um, so they kind of brought it all together and set the whole thing up. And uh, it's just kind of a magical moment in time there, but it, it kind of goes against the, with the faith aspect and at, at the point where D'Angelo steps away from the game, the, the voodoo album was sold off of the entitled music video, which is basically sexualizing D'Angelo uh, with the yes. close-up shot with his, you know, he's naked in a, like a pool of water or something like that. And it's just the whole video is sold off of his body, off of his image. I think and that's what uh, Benzino was trying to do. Have you seen that video? I don't be to interject, but have you seen that video of Benzino's rap <laughs> no, video? No, I, no. It's exactly what he's trying to do. He's under a light and he looks very, very similar to the D'Angelo video. And they said he looks like food in the microwave. <laughs> you just watch him spinning around and he's, he's all oiled up, glazed turkey looking ass. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is, that's exactly where they, they sexualized him. So yeah, continue my bad. Bro. No, no, most definitely. Um, and so they're sexualizing him when really the music on its own speaks for itself. Yeah. Like it, that's completely unnecessary to do. However, they did it. However, he agreed to do it or, you know, and from there, I think that's kind of where the conflict in his head started. Um, you know, women are begging him to take it off at the concert and things like that. But I don't think people at that point really understood. 
how serious the music was like the you know what i mean like it's yeah. not that's not the kind of music it is it's it's not well, i think even for himself i think yeah. that's where what it was too and that's where i think his conflict came in is that's not what the music was about it was never about that it used to never be about that and then um you know it just turned into that and it becomes something like that um that and it does change you it does change you um when you start seeing fame or fortune or anything like that you start you get a big head you get cocky you get um you get lost in your uh emotions of just what is happening and in the moment and everything and that's where a lot of people lose themselves themselves and especially at d'angelo's age you know he's barely 25 years old when he made um voodoo that puts you into a different point of you know where you're at, especially in your mid twenties and things like that, you're still forming into a man per se. (laughs) And you're out here, uh, having to do all these, or you're making this music and you're being thrusted into the, to the spotlight. Cause yeah, that came out in 2000. Right. So I remember, I remember when that video came out on, it was like right around when 106 and park and you just was basically getting off the ground and everything like that. And that, that video was very, uh, very, sexualized like even for BET they almost didn't show it um yeah. I remember they weren't going to actually show it on TV because it was almost fully naked and it went all the way down to the v-cut and so people were <laughs> bugging you know like they, I remember they were like yo this is this is too much um this is a video that they should play on BET uncut <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what they were trying to do to that song like it was that sexualized but the songs and the album was so good that they just couldn't deny it anymore. You almost, you just couldn't deny it. It was, the labels were like, hell no. <laughs> y'all gonna, y'all gonna push this song because it's one of the hottest songs in the country. And with this, with this, I mean, imagine if that came out and we actually had something like a YouTube at that time, um, what that oh, would have yeah. done to like music itself. Like I look at it now, we see that every day now. I mean, you can see, you can go on Twitter and see everything like literally. Um, People share gifts of people fucking and everything. Like you can see everything on Twitter. Um, and that, and that's now, and that's 20 years ago, <laughs> 20 years ago, you couldn't do that. 20 years later you can, um, or get away. I wouldn't say necessarily can, but you can get away with it. And you see so many things differently from now, from then. And even watching D'Angelo go through that and they talk about the 14 year difference he so he disappears he ends the voodoo tour a couple weeks early and then just disappears from the public eye had a breakdown pretty much especially he disappears from the music industry for 14 years right Um, and in between that time he was getting in all kind of shit (laughs) yeah he wrecked Uh, his car and got flew and flew out of his car got a couple duis went to rehab a couple times three times he said Mm. so he went to the rehab three times he had to go to rehab three times to try to try to, you know, cure his demons in a sense. And even then, of course, still doing it that just, you just relive it, but you can't stay away from the love of music. And uh, I'm glad that he got to a point where he got healthy again, um, especially mentally and everything else and was able to give us one of the best, definitely one of the best albums of the, of the 2010s for sure. Um, probably the the best you could definitely put it in that category. And that's the black Messiah album. Uh, so D'Angelo and the Vanguard black Messiah, it is a phenomenal album. Um, we've talked about it. We talked about it at our, uh, album wrap up as probably the the greatest or the the decade. Um, 
that that was in our top i think that was in my top three and that was your number one for sure yes. and then i think i had uh maybe a, a two so really still the same again still putting out high level music um and still working with high level artists <laughs> yeah uh chris daddy dave is the drummer on the vanguard uh, pino paladino yep. he's got um Man, what the heck was the dude's name? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, 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 even without knowing the names, if you look, up, if you look them up, yeah, yeah, if you go look them all up, you'll you'll see um, all of the names. I can't even remember all of them off the top of my head either. But even having his his friend, his childhood friend Pookie in there, who was also a great musician and helped out with all of D'Angelo's music since since he started, um, he disappeared literally in the middle of the tour and in Montreal. And they show that part in the, uh, in the documentary of Pookie is, is one of the backup keys and backup vocals for him, for Mm D'Angelo. And he literally disappears. He goes to sound check. They said they seen him at sound check. He was, uh, they saw him go to the hotel and he literally left. Yeah. He just left, left everything else and just left. Um, literally about to go on stage. They don't know where he's at. Um, and D'Angelo had to go out there and you could see he was very emotional, uh, not knowing where his friend is and everything else as well. You could see it impacted him the whole time. And that was, that was actually really, uh, a sad part. Actually, I I got kind of teary out a little bit, ain't gonna lie, because he was just really upset and you could see it. Um, and they found out that he just, he, his, he just left and he went to, um, he said he got called by God. He had a spiritual calling yeah. and had to leave. And so he just literally left in the middle of that while they're getting ready to go on mm-hmm. and, and just did it. And, and that's how you can see, because even Pookie, they talked about it, as you just said, too, at the beginning of the documentary, they talk about or he talks about the demons that he had to deal with as well. Um, being on tour, doing everything like that with d'angelo and he he went through similar things as far as the kind of you know going from the church and getting into something like this and now you know everything's changing and it's changing fast and you know you're trying to stay away from the devil in a sense just like in the in the song of devil's pie um you're just trying to stay away from all that and he saw himself falling deeper and deeper into that and so i respect that but damn just in the middle like yo they were like we got to go on in 10 minutes yeah, and he's gone. <laughs> yeah. We can't find him. What are you talking about? You can't find him. Um, that's that's just a wild thing to to go through, and I and I can't imagine what uh, he was going through mentally, um, because definitely that that does take a lot for someone to go through something like that. So, uh, it, you know, it, it's one of those things. I, I think they uh, they they did everything very well, and I know that uh, he went on to win two Grammys for that album. And that just tells you that's one side of the story. You know, that's, that's a side of the story that turned out to be good, but things could have went bad. He could have died definitely that day that he flipped his, his uh, SUV and, you know, he was able to turn it around. But a lot of these guys that we're seeing now, they don't even get that chance, man. They're not even getting past that. They're dying um, under the ages of 25. I mean, I think majority of them passed away and we've even seen like Nancy hustle getting killed in the last, like just even thinking about in the last 10 years, there's probably been about 20 to 20 to 30 rappers that have died. That is an astonishing number. And I remember we talked about that too, that over 50% of uh, rappers that die are from murders. 
So you're, you're telling me that a lot of them are getting killed for whatever. And just even this recent string, this is all in three weeks. We've seen two rappers die and two more get shot. That is again, astonishing. And this is already in a year that we've lost, like you said, juice world um, and, and things like that. Pop smoke. I mean, those are all in, in the same year. And we're, we're talking, it's about to be December. That is the price of fame. You know, how far is that really getting you now? Um, and that's, and that's what uh, a lot of these young guys need to really look at is how, how is this going to help you um, by beefing with artists or whatever? And I understand trying to, um, you know, hold your spot or, or really even just be, if somebody's disrespecting you, I, I get it. But do you really honestly have to think about if, if this is, going to be something that is going to affect you long-term um, and is going to bring you any harm or anything like that. Um, it's, it's better to really just take it easy, man. <laughs> like I understand getting in the fast lane. I, I don't understand actually, cause I've never been there. Um, I'm, I'm getting there, but <laughs> never like into that sense of where these guys are just instant stars. Um, and even being a DJ, it's different. You know, even for myself, I, I feel the pressure of what it is to be a DJ um, all the things that you have to, you know, deal with and have pressure of. Uh, but at the same time, you also have to be kind of grounded. And sometimes I'm older. So me being 32, um, I can speak from, from a, a different standpoint. Cause at a young age for myself, I did have some su success in the rap game and I actually went on tour and things like that. So I, I seen some moderate success in my careers. Um, but it's something like I had to go through that and learn that. And I had to stay out of the way, like not causing myself to get into these types of uh, situations. I remember we almost got into beef, me and my family, um, my cousins, because we, there was a, we, we're in a collective group of like seven or eight of us. There was a lot of us. <laughs> so we're all trying to make it. We're all trying to do these things. And we were doing all these shows and, do, and doing things like that. And there was this other uh, group at the time can't even remember the dude's, the clique's name, but they had roughly about the same amount of members, like five or six members or whatever. And, you know, of course we, we were proud and my family and everything like that. They're a bunch of wild dudes who just snap off at the, at the moment, you know? And, um, there's been plenty of times, like it, it got really heated, like being at a show. Uh, I remember being at the hood over there in the hood on airport, uh, going to dragon's lair, doing shows and seeing guns getting popped off out there. I mean, that's just some local shit. So imagine on, uh, something on a scale of like these guys who got cameras behind them, they got fans, fans chasing them or people who notice them and see them and things like that. And you just get shot. Um, or you got a beef with somebody or some or something starts up because one of your crew and this crew and this, that, and the other. I mean, we saw that with uh, Jeezy and Gucci, which is funny that they're about to be in the room at the same time. <laughs> I still don't understand how that is. Hey, uh, much respect to Swizz and Timbaland for being able to pull that shit off because I don't know how they did. Um, but th th these dudes got bodies between them, like bodies, like somebody died in their beef. Yeah. Um, so that's that's something that's real. And once you get to that point or, you know, in a lot of these beefs, people get shot. You know, we, we know the 50 Ja Rule connections with all the shit that happened, why 50 got hit nine times and all these things. You know, you get those guys in the same room, that's still bad blood. And there's a lot of things that can happen. And that's old. Them niggas is old, man. <laughs> them is some old cats now. But these young cats are quicker to pull on you. 
Um, they're, they're, they're quicker to, to, to flash on you and really just go into that blackout mode. And that's what we're seeing is just senseless shit. Like MO3, he died on the motherfucking freeway. He got killed on the freeway, bro. Like that's even worse. That's broad daylight in Dallas on the freeway. Like that means somebody was really coming for you. That means they really wanted you out of there. Uh, because that that's on a whole nother level. Um, and, and that's just pure, just pure hate and, and all of that kind of shit. Like, I, I don't understand it. There's nothing in this game that is good enough to want to put your, your life on the line for, and especially not for no fucking money. If that's what it comes down to, then figure out a different way. And I mean, you could die in these streets, a lot of these cats, and that's what it, you know, that's what they talk about in their music is you can hear the pain. They, they came from the streets, they're selling drugs, they're doing all that to make a life and they can die from that just from trying to make a living. Um, but at the same time, they're also doing this and dying, trying to make a living. <laughs> it's, it's what, what's the price for a fame? Cause there's a difference, you know, there's much more money, but now you're under the spotlight. Now people are, are out to get you same. In, and that's the instance of pop smoke. Um, he started getting hot. He got, you know, he was getting, he was getting crazy in the streets. Everybody knew who he was. His album was about to drop. He's bubbling. Next thing you know, he, he slipped up and posted a, an address on online somebody saw that shit and and took advantage of it right that's a bunch of money in front of the address yeah just just dummy like and i I hate to say that but it's it's just dumb like you don't do that um but that's but that's all it takes now it doesn't even matter then some goon said yo we gonna ride on him like they know they nobody there he by himself oh yeah that's a that's the lick you you just made yourself a lick right there and we're seeing a lot of this in these in these artists in these rappers um and it's really crazy man it's 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 truly like it's its own little pandemic a little bit or epidemic whatever you want to call it um and, and at least in this sense because it's it's just so damaging to see these kids go out there make a living for themselves and, and then go out and beef though. And then they, they die and they, and they don't even get to experience the, the, the fruits of what they tried to do. Um, yeah, it's wild. And we've seen it and it's not just in rap and everything like that. Um, a, another good example of where this is somewhat happened is Dave Chappelle. Yeah. So that's, that was another thing I was going to say is the other angle of the price for fame. And um, it really got me thinking, cause in at the beginning of, um, the Devil's Pie movie. It's at D'Angelo's first uh, comeback concert after his 14-year hiatus. And after the show, he meets with uh, Bobby Seale and Dave Chappelle. And they're sitting there. And it just got me thinking, if anybody knows what it's like to walk away from the game, it's Dave Chappelle, right? Dave Chappelle left 60 mil on the table and walked away. D'Angelo probably left 60 mil on the table by walking away for that 14 years because he was... You know, he sold two million albums. He was a superstar in right. the world, um, and you could see he still is a superstar in the world because most of the concerts are all in Europe that they're showing out there, and, and the crowds are crazy. Right. Yep. Um, and then you know, it also got me thinking. Uh, Lauren Hill kind of stepped away from the game at the same time, also yeah. probably leaving fifty, sixty million on the table. Um, because I know Miss Education of Lauren Hill definitely sold more albums than Voodoo. Even. Definitely. So 
and it's we all, never got a follow-up for the, we still haven't gotten a follow-up from her. <laughs> no. And it's all kind of at the same time. And, uh, one time Questlove in the movie is talking about, you know, how one of the few things you can control is time. Uh, yeah. And so that's why, you know, some of these artists be late all the time and that they're kind of showing D'Angelo being two hours late for a concert in Germany or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> The crowd gets all pissed, but they're just saying, you know, it's like delayed by two hours and they're just so pissed. But afterwards everyone says it's the best concert they ever seen in their life <laughs> yep. i remember so. going to see lauren hill at red rocks and she luckily for us she was only like 30 minutes late and even then she still got on at like 9 30 and before till till 12 so that's still a great fucking set like you're you're she's out there for more than two hours so i i got my show's worth like definitely out of her she don't even have two two, two hours of material like that, but she does, um, the way that she yeah. did it with the band. And it's the same thing though. Like, and we've seen that across the world with her, you know, she, she's shown up or didn't show up on some occasions at all. Um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, or, or delay it by two hours or whatever. And that was like her norm. And yeah, you're right. These, the way that those things happen, you start to see it. Um, that's what they talked about as well. It's like, you'll, you'll start to see the signs, the signs start showing. And that was the latenesses and, um, you know, the becoming increasingly intoxicated at certain times, um, and things like that, uh, that definitely becomes a real thing. So what make, you know, what, I mean, what kind of pressure makes a Lauren Hill or a Dave Chappelle or a D'Angelo or even James Harden turns down 50 mil a year? Yeah, but his right. is because he just wants to go to a contender. He yeah, okay. I mean, regardless, <laughs> regardless, no other team can pay him the fifty mil a year. But right. he's still walking away from fifty mil a year because uh, he wants. Obviously, the, it's some different reasons. Ring. No, but you're you're right. It's still kind of the same thing, though, because he wants the ring. That's how much. That's how badly he wants a ring. Yeah, he's willing to leave generational money to go make sure that he can win a ring. Yeah. Well, it's not like he's walking away from the game either. Like these other guys right. that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, No, we're, we're definitely not talking <laughs> about just, on that. Far, but he turned, but, yeah. but he turned down 50 mil. So it, right. Kind of Cause if you could, you could get paid 50 million from a losing squad and you can just eat it and just say, I'll be one of the greatest stats ever, yeah. but won't have a ring. So I won't be considered one of the greatest or in the greatest conversations. So he's willing to say, well, his price for fame isn't necessarily fame. It, it, it is fame, but it's also the name. It is the legacy. Um, it's kind of the same thing. He's willing to yeah. put his legacy ahead of the money. That's what right. he's going for. Because his legacy right now is a loser in the playoffs. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> granted, granted, it's because a lot of it, I would say it's because he's gassed from carrying the team for 10 months or eight months or however long it is at that point. Like yeah, literally carrying games. the team, carrying his team for 82 games, doing everything he can to win the game for his team and, and score as many points as he can in that time. Like he, yeah. he goes really hard and it's just time catches up to you. If you're going hard in October, you're going to be feeling it in June. And he's never really had a a tight supporting cast outside of when he was coming off the bench in the thunder. But in Houston, he's definitely hasn't had the supporting cast uh, necessary to, to pick up the slack for him during the regular season so that he has energy in the playoffs. Yeah. You could just tell Russell Westbrook, he just doesn't work. Um, I, we, we said that when they first got there. But anyways, that's still yeah. that's still the kind of the same thing, right? As you said, it, it is him 
leaving money on the table. It's him willing to turn it down to make sure that he has, he builds that legacy. And when we look, we look at that same thing with, uh, even with some of these musicians, like that's the same thing. But, but James Harden can make his 50 mil back. Dave Chappelle can't make his 50 mil back. D'Angelo can't make his 50 mil back. Lauren Hill can't make her 50 mil back. No, that, that money that they walked away from, they walked away from. And it was all kind of at the same time. Like I would say 2000 to 2003, I think Dave Chappelle disappeared like in 03 or something like that. Yeah, well, no, it was like it was like uh, almost going into 05 because the the okay. last the last few uh, the last season I believe was two thousand and four for okay. the Chappelle show. So yeah, uh, yeah, no, you're, but you're still yeah, exactly. He left that on the table. He was willing to leave that, knowing what it would do. And we've seen some of the others actually take the money. Um, we look at Kevin Hart, who just dropped a Netflix special. I still haven't seen it, but um, I know he dropped one. But yeah, that's he that's, had a show on Quibi too. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean the the money the money that he's that he's made from all that. Look, all the movies he's yeah. been in, so on and so forth. Like Dave has been in a lot of movies, but not like the ones that Kevin Hart is. And of course, they're two different. They're two different kinds of um, uh, com- uh, comedians. They do to me. They're they're on different spectrums a little bit. Um, but y- y- you just see the level of where he was at, and it's the same thing. And what does and that's kind of that was my question earlier. Is what what do you think does drive that? what do you think drives them to that level of where they can just, they have to walk away and it, it could be a multitude of things. I think it's um, pressure. As you said, it is pressure as being a, 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 an African-American in their cases, an African-American man or woman going through n- knowing that they have to basically be the provider for everything and, and everyone. Um, that's a lot of pressure. You know, your family is relying on it. You probably got yeah. family uh, to, you know, tapping you and you know, they need it. Um, then you have also the situations of, um, culturally, um, having to also weigh the burden of that. We see that right now. Celebrities are being asked to speak up. And if they don't, then you're being blackballed as an artist. You know what I mean? Um, you can be, if you're not speaking up, people will be like, well, where's this, where's this person been? You know, where has this person been? If you're not at the already the GOAT level or a high enough level, you're getting picked on about that, you know? Um, and then there's the... That's like when No Name went after J. Cole. Exactly, exactly. Um, and you don't see Drake talking a lot about these things either. Um, He's Canadian, so... What are you gonna say? <laughs> Facts, he is Canadian. Uh, but, you know, even him, like, he, he did get a lot of flack and I don't, I don't think he still has ever really came out with a stance of anything. No. Um, but he's definitely gotten flack for it before and things like that. But people look to these artists to be culturally aware of all that. So that's also a pressure. And then just the apps, absolute fear, just absolute fear of failure. I think that's everyone, man, fear of yeah. failure is huge. I mean, Most and, people are afraid to fail. Yeah. And it's, what about when, the expectations are so high. Like, yeah, you, you know what I mean? How are you, I think how that's you probably up, the number one. How do you live up to the expectations of being D'Angelo and right. coming up, coming out with the album better than Voodoo? How do you, even, right. And I think that's what that's that? tied in together. I think that's kind of what I mean is like, yeah, definitely having the, the it's especially once you reach that pinnacle it is it then becomes a, a stage of fear because now you're scared to fail. Like people will look at you or speak things on you 
that will make you fearful to fail because then you know that the industry will turn on you that quick yeah. um, or, or your position and where you're at could change that quick. And just the, having the expectation of, like you said, reaching that next peak is very scary. It is very scary because you just never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And we've, and I'm trying to think of a great example of who got to a top and then it fell so quickly. Um, well, I mean, Michael Jackson is probably the greatest example. Um, it, but he had a, he crazy. dominated for so long that but he was the top of the top, right? Like there yeah. was nobody culturally bigger than Michael Jackson. Like everyone in the, if you're in whatever remote part of the world and there was no internet back then, but you could be in yeah. a little village in a little corner of a little country somewhere on the other side of the world and Facts. know who Michael Jackson is. Facts. He, he, he had the greatest reach. Yeah. I would say he is probably the greatest artist when it comes to that of all time there. I, I really yeah, don't. I the mean, most I think famous person of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Besides, besides Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and some people, some, especially white people will probably argue Elvis Presley, but even then he, he, you know, I think Michael Jackson was bigger than Elvis. Presley. Yes, exactly. Just because uh, the Beatles the, will be in that conversation media. as well. Yeah. Beatles will be in that conversation as well. Um, but, and there's a few going across a lot of genres that, that can maybe reach that type of pinnacle, but definitely Michael was at the top of that. Like I, you can't really, uh, reach as far as he did. Eminem is actually really close, which is scary um, to being like a guy whose name is out there all the time. Like I feel like people know him all over the world too, but yeah. Anyway, still it, it being at that, like, Oh, he's a, he's kind of a, I think he's a more perfect example of, of a fall off and come back or, or yeah. significant fall off compared he's to also, I think he's also a price of fame. Oh yeah, for sure. Kind of, thing. Um, even though I think he was probably an addict before all the money, but Oh yeah, no, de definitely was. You could tell. Um, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he just he kinda, never hit it in his music either. No, and I mean that's okay. I mean that's I think everybody's gone through things like that in life where they've picked up vices or or just done a lot of things that they're not necessarily proud of. But definitely, even when he was when he reached the pinnacle, he still had that, and he had that fear. Because uh, you remember, just the the it went from the Marshall Mathers LP to. Um, uh, what was the other one? Uh, or no, is, is the Slim Shady the Slim was Shady, first? Yeah, Slim Shady LP was first, then the Marshall Mathers LP, right? Then the Eminem show, and then the Eminem show. And even then, I think after having the first two albums, Eminem show started to show the decline, and people were nervous because that's where he started making some weird songs, but they were still selling like that. Uh, yeah, I think the Eminem the, show the, is the best selling album of all the three. No, I'm pretty sure it's got to be uh, the Slim Shady. LP. It's gotta be. It's crazy. Cause these are the, the probably the top three selling rap albums of all time. Yeah. The, I would, cause he had that name of my band song on there. You know, name of my band, you know, the, like he had those he also weird had songs. Superman on there. He did have Superman. I mean, yeah, that was a cut too. I mean, so he had, but you could see it though. It wasn't as, yeah. Well, you I can mean, start to see the difference of got, where it was going. It got to a point where he would just disguise his voice and speak in a weird accent. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly you know he was I mean? doing uh well, yeah that fast song that he had on there too there was another song that he had on there and they were just goofy ass songs like i didn't like any of those songs like i i really didn't like the eminem show so i mean mm. kill me if you want to people i'm not the biggest eminem fan as it is but definitely i i did like the slim shady 
LP. And so from there to Eminem show, I could see the contrast difference. And I yeah. was like, he's falling off. And then as soon as that happened, he did fall off. He had all the shit happening with Mariah Carey. He had all the other things that came. And then he dropped that terrible album right after it recovery, which people still loved and still sold a lot of records, but the shit was super trash. It was a really bad album. Um, <laughs> but he still did numbers. Uh, but his comeback story was, is a little bit easier because uh, I hate to say it. He is a white male. He's always going to have those guys who follow him for that to the ends of the earth. I think it's a little yeah. bit different in black culture. Once you fall off or you're written off, you get, you get put there. It's purgatory. You are there. Um, perfect example of that. Um, soldier boy. Yeah. Um, Soldier Boy I heard he's going to have the greatest comeback in 2021. He said Bigger that like four times. United he, States. He said that like the last four years and he still ain't <laughs> been there. Um, I mean, he's getting money shit. He, he owns some cleaning product company that's making money and he made his own bootleg gaming console. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess he's getting money, but look at him. To me, he actually set what is part of today's game. Like he literally is the blueprint of what today's yeah. rap game is. He was like the first viral kind of rapper. I would yes. Say. He was the first, he was the first like troll. I think he was like the yeah. first troll as well. Like, cause he was making troll ass songs back then. Um, and then 50 Cent of course came in and he was probably the next biggest troll after that. But even then, and 50 is another example. He's another one. He got, he was on that super high ride and then he dropped Curtis. Remember when he went into that, um, that battle with Kanye West yeah, he was on uh, one hundred and six in Park. Curtis dropped the same day. Same day as uh, graduation, graduation, and got smoked. I mean, smoked. Kanye whooped that ass on that drop. Really, Fifty Cent was the only one like doing that feud. Like he was the one talking shit. Kanye yeah, he wasn't really saying shit. nothing until after the album sale record numbers came out. <laughs> I remember when they they said something. I remember when he did go on uh, 106 and Park when the issue was when the challenge was issued. They did make a big deal of it because they went on the show at the same time and they were talking about it and everything. Like I remember watching an episode as a as a as a young uh, high schooler and I'm just like, yo, this is dope as fuck. Because <laughs> 50 came in super hot. He was the same thing. He was on that viral record. He hit a viral number as well that I haven't seen since. Um, you know, I, I would maybe add in there Jeezy in there early on, honestly, because that's when the mixtape game became really relevant. Yeah. And the streets were bootlegging. That was when the bootlegging game got really heavy as well. So, of course, going through the streets. The, the hottest thing on the streets was get rich or die trying. Like I remember being in high school during that time. And that was the hottest album at that time. Like everybody's talking about it. Everybody's getting bootleg copies. Like we're out here. Somebody burn me a copy of that. Who can burn <laughs> me a copy? I got a dude who was, he was flipping them bitches. He was selling is my boy Lionel. Shout out Lionel. He was over there selling these motherfuckers for $10. My wife just shakes his head because he already did. <laughs> because he's a motherfucking hustler. He can flip anything. He he somehow got all these uh get rich or die trying albums and was flipping them shits. He also got the um uh the Camp Band the Snowman Jeezy mixtape, which was really in, in my high school was super hot. Everybody had it. Like if you didn't have it, you weren't listening to it, then you were lame. And so that was kind of like that that whole thing. But look at how those careers fell off just being at the top of where they were at and just how hard and sharp the declines were 50 died after that, that Curtis beat down. Um, and how, how he made it such a big deal. Like that killed his career. He was done after that. 
Yeah. Um, he didn't have anything that ever really popped off after that. The best thing that happened for him, honestly, was social media. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Power. Yeah. And him, well, and that was based on his social media though. He was getting yeah. a lot of that because of the things he was doing on social media. Um, and, and the way that he was, he did start getting some more films, just like you said too. Um, when he was actually doing films and things like that, he had a couple of films, the football one where he played the, um, the guy with cancer. Um, and so he, did that one and a few other ones. They were terrible movies except for the cancer one. That was cool, but it was sad. Um, so that helped out too, but then he became a mega troll on IG and that helps him out. That's how he still kept his money afloat. Uh, cause he made all the bad power moves too. Remember when he was doing, um, when he sold vitamin water too early Oh yeah. and he, he really slipped up on the money on that and he didn't, he didn't stay on top of it like he should have. And he still made like 200 mil, I think. No, he still did. Yeah. I was going to say he did still bank off of that though, because he was the one that pushed that. And I remember that shit was really hot for a second too. Everybody was getting vitamin water, like vitamin water became a staple. Um, but that was due to him. That was due to him pushing it like that. Um, same thing with Diddy when he did Ciroc, it was like the way he did it. So he, he was able to at least kind of go through those, but that was the price, the, the price of fame for those guys as they is 50, for example, talk all the, a lot of shit and, and ended up backfiring on him. And so that really killed his career. He made a career out of talking shit and that's what actually ended up getting him out of the game. And then same thing, almost even for soldier boy. Um, he hit a, a level of stardom. He, he's, I think he was either the first to sell the most, or I think he's just sold the most. He wasn't the first because Chameleon was the first to sell a million ringtones. Um, but Soldier Boy smashed that. He was killing the ringtone game. Um, got all that money from that and did all that kind of shit. And then his career just disappeared as well. Like he just whoop, a blip off of the, off of the, off the map. Um, and then he told that wild ass story two years ago of him being in the house and shit and him getting, you know, people getting shot in the house and he playing Tony Montana. Remember that interview, bro? <laughs> we talked about that shit. Is that the, uh, the breakfast club? Yeah. The breakfast club interview that, that put Gucci, him back on. Yo, Gucci wearing the, the, yeah, look at the, yo, it looks like that one from the, that Gucci headband looked like it was, uh, <laughs> from that commercial with the, with the detergent it was like, Oh, you look comfy. His V neck is all, worn out and the shit. That's what that shit looked like. He's um, like, Drake? <laughs> yeah, Drake. Drake. We talked Drake. about Drake. Like, Drake. <laughs> like, that. that is a meme. And he put himself back on the map from that. He put himself back on the map for that. So, so social media drives literally everything that we see today. Social media is the driver of everything. And um, th- that's the sad part, honestly, of what we actually see and, and what's happening today. Is because it could go well for you. You could be anything you want to be on social media. That's why an influencer is an actual position. That is an actual job. Being a YouTube influencer, being a uh, Instagram influencer, that actually makes money. That is a money generator. Um, you can do whatever you want now. You could be whoever you want to be. You can portray whoever you want to be. And all these things come out and that's honestly killing a lot of our, especially, uh, black, young black men and women that's taking them out of the game because of what they're doing and what they see and, and what can be portrayed via social media and everything else. Um, I think the stardom, the stardom anxiety now is so much higher just because the ability to become a star is almost instant. 
you can just do anything and almost become a star. TikTok makes a lot of stars, man. TikTok is making a lot of, of just quick kids who are just blowing up in the world. Lil Nas X was a motherfucking Twitter dude and all of a sudden became one of the biggest sensations and has one of the biggest songs and biggest sellers of the decade. Um, I mean, it, anything can just happen. It's crazy. You can make a career today, but be out of it tomorrow. Um, and the stardom itself, the price of fame, it, it has to be something that you can define. And what is you, what, what is your cost? What is it going to be? Um, you might be one of those people who have to, who, who want to be at the top and you're willing to give everything and sacrifice everything. Like we've seen all of the people who we think got sacrificed <laughs> throughout the time, you know, yeah. with the Illuminati and everything. Um, Hey, I, I think it's partially true. Cause if you look at everybody mm-hmm. who's been at that point, they've been through something and somebody close to them has died and yeah. they became the next biggest thing. I'm waiting for Abel. His turn is honestly coming if he's getting and, Super Bowl halftime. And it's Frank coming. Ocean. Frank Ocean. That already happened for him, though. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think Beyonce had, Beyonce had anybody that she had to tribute. I don't know if anybody close to her like that died. Because um, she still has her mom, her sisters. Um, her dad is still alive. So, I don't think she, but she's with Jay Z. So I mean, he, I guess he already gave enough sacrifices. Yeah, I mean, she had to, she had to kind of sacrifice the career of the other children. Yeah, she sure did. (laughs) The of the children of destiny. (laughs) We're just talking shit. Don't come get us, bro. I promise. Allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. We just talking shit, but it's it's, Kelly Rowland. You know, she made some money, but she wouldn't have. She didn't make Beyonce money. No, no. And Joe, the way that they did uh, Michelle was dirty. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> she she went on to become a Christian artist because she that's where she went and got a bag. And I am not mad at her. I believe she won a Grammy as well. So, hey, good for you, girl. Um, but still, it's it's like the price of fame. What are you willing to give up? And I honestly, to ask myself that, me, myself being an artist and a DJ and, and learning to produce and everything else, um, I'm not willing to cost I'm not willing to pay a price for my family because there is no price on family. There is no price on my sanity and uh, mental state, um, any of those things. And once I get to that point, then I have to back away. And that's where some people aren't able to do that because not only it's, it's intoxicating. It's, this is an intoxicating lifestyle. Um, Imagine if this podcast blew up tomorrow and you fuckers told everybody, so then we get blown up. <laughs> I mean, that could be something that we, you know, potentially turn into a life. I, I look at Desus and Mira. I love, I love Desus and Mira. It's one of my favorite shows to watch. And this is essentially kind of how they did it was doing something like this. You look at yeah. the Joe Budden podcast. Um, just a bunch of their friends getting together, even though Joe Budden's already got industry plugs and everything else. Like, I think of all of those things and I, I think of them and it's kind of the same thing, but that's, that's intoxicating. Joe Budden's another one um, who went through the kind of the same thing. Uh, his, his mental kind of, you know, switched up a lot when he had to go through Def Jam and everything else and what they did to him told him to kind of dumb it down a little bit. And he's dropping tracks, like pump it up. <laughs> um you know, he went from pump it up to now he's like making sad boy rap music and shit. <laughs> um, 
I mean, it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot. You could look at several artists throughout time uh, that this just happened to. Britney Spears. Whoa, holy shit. Yeah. Talking about somebody who paid the true price for fame. Um, she's, much, she paid the price. Pretty much since a child, too. Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they sold her. They sold her. Her parents pinned her out. It is I a mean, horrible idea of I just, mean, as bad as D'Angelo was sexualized, she was as well at the age of 16. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, it even it started that earlier. It started even earlier with that with the Mickey Mouse Club, as you said, the Mickey Mouse Club. That's where a lot of that shit started. And um, so, do you think Britney Spears is more famous worldwide than Eminem? Yeah, probably. I, I, would, I would be. I would say. I, mean, I would. Um, I mean, you know what? That's that'd be like almost a tie. I would almost have to say tie because Britney Spears know. hasn't been able to make anything recently. No, but I would say still though, post Michael Jackson, she might be. Like the most she was kind of like her Bieber of her time. So yeah, the, she might be the most Bieber. famous person in the world because a lot of people knew who she was. Yeah, around the world. Uh, that's like Justin she, Bieber too. Like I, I yeah. think that's kind of the same thing. Like definitely at that same level. Definitely like they're they're they're, they're kind of equivalent to me. Um, child prodigies that blew up so quick. Even fucking Bieber. That's man. You can almost yeah. make you can almost make a story for every last famous person that's out there that they've been through this. Um, they've been in, they've been through some type of mental, um, not breakdown, but just, there is a point of where it makes or breaks you and you well, just I mean, kind of see it. Kanye West. Kanye West is, a, is probably one of the bigger ones as well. We've the seen thing about the Kanye worst is, happen to Kanye. Yeah. You've seen the worst happen to him and you've seen the worst, like people trying to exploit him cancel him and exploit him and you know he has every force against him the media always kind of paints him in a negative light as as an insane person right um and let's some of the quotes for sure are insane but (laughs) yeah but he's never painted in a positive light like you're not going to read a a fluffy article about kanye right however that fool just keeps winning Yep. <laughs> he just he, he finds a way like he doesn't care he just keep he does what he wants to do and just keeps win, finds a way to win um yeah. as much as they've tried to to take that man down both like mentally physically psychologically um somehow he just keeps winning it's crazy but he didn't win the presidency though unfortunately <laughs> but he still did get like 20,000 votes nationally oh, he got 20,000 votes i mean something like that i mean i know he got like 10,000 in tennessee or some shit he got so 6,000 like, in colorado 6,000 yeah so yeah actually it's more than that so sorry whatever your numbers are yeah um there you go I, he's got at least had got 100,000 then probably around the country at least i would have to imagine because 10 from one state six in another i mean if you just add up all 50 mm-hmm. states or the majority of states that actually had him on the ballot he probably got close to a hundred thousand maybe you might say so um and so it I really didn't that, matter obviously but <laughs> that's a win though in itself that he got that many votes just off a of post and a couple tweets and yeah oh yeah for sure exactly and just off a sold couple some of merch tweets, sold some merch made made a album to jesus and everything um, <laughs> he's done a lot. He's done, he's done a lot to put himself where he's at. And it's just wild to see, um, the price of fame, man. That is such a, a 
great topic that we had. Polly came up with the great one. So let's talk about that. I think it's great because now we're seeing, and I'm even just thinking like, man, this is wild thinking about all these artists that I can name off the top of my head. These are just off the top of my head. I didn't even really research all of them because uh, there's probably a many more, but I mean, you're, you're talking about again, the price of fame. Yeah, um, and I think some of it too has to do with control. You know, at some point you're signing off for $50 million. You are no longer in control of your life. You show up, where they want you to show up at whatever time they want you to show right. up at. Your life is no longer once yours to somebody else's. You know, once you're taking a set amount of money, yeah, you're no longer in control of, of any moment of, of your life. Um, and it can, can you hit know, a I creative think, wall from that. Go ahead. And I think that's why some artists actually take a break. Like I, I honestly see that from Kendrick. I think he's kind of going through the same thing, right? Um, he went through this string of just dropping amazing music and it was consistent. It's been consistent. Um, but everybody's always consistently asking him or constantly asking him, when are you going to drop like the next good kid, mad city? Um, the, the, just the pressure of that alone can, cause everybody is calling that a classic album. It's, it's like a, you know, the doggy style of, of this generation, you know, those kinds of things when you add it to that kind of level and you put that much on somebody's, you know, plate that begins to mess with you. And and then he, honestly, he did meet that to me. I saw some slander the other day somewhere where somebody was saying to pimp a butterfly, uh, just wasn't it. And I was like, wow. are, you, are you high? I was like, this dude, you want a Pulitzer for this? <laughs> uh, I mean, what else do you need? Uh, there's never been a hip hop album to ever win a Pulitzer, a Pulitzer, but that happened. And then he made that. Yeah. So, also had the, the, just a great ensemble of musicians working behind that one as well. Exactly. Kind of like D'Angelo. It was, it, it put into like the, the, what did they call it? Like the Congress, something with Congress. Smithsonian. Like, yeah. The, Smith, the Smithsonian, like, come on now. Like, but even then he's trying to live up through, through, to those standards. Like now he's trying to continue to live through those standards. And I think we've been on what, almost three years now that we haven't had an actual or four years almost even yeah. for that. We've had an actual Kendrick, Lamar album that it's besides damn what was damn well three years ago yeah 2017 so yeah it's been since 2017 or so since we heard damn and even then like I wasn't the biggest fan of damn it was good but it, it was wasn't his it, most, it was his it wasn't most. the best out of the his his last three albums for sure no for um, sure but it was his best-selling album and it, yes and it, it was his best-selling most... album yes and I and think that's, that's another layer of pressure yeah, and that's crazy to me because it, as a, as a true Kendrick stan, uh, pretty much everybody that I know that is a Kendrick fan and really loves Kendrick Lamar all agree that "Damn" is his least favorite, his yeah. least best album. But it's his best selling. But it's his best selling because. But it's his best selling because more people know who Kendrick is now. Correct. Than when Section Eighty drops or when uh, "To Pimp a Butterfly." He had more drop. radio hits as well. I mean, if you look at loyalty. Loyalty was a huge radio hit. Humble was a re- huge yeah. radio hit. DNA was a huge um, radio hit, even though DNA was like really trapped. That was a little more of a street classic. But even then, like if you look at those two songs, right, those are huge because on Pimp- To Bimpa Butterfly, he didn't have any huge, I was his no, biggest no. hit. Yeah. And I, dropped, on, as far as like radio hit, that was it. And that dropped like a year before the album did. Yes. So it had time to bubble and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And that was his biggest hit. And then you get damn all of a sudden. And I feel like maybe to him, he felt like the artistry wasn't there. Like he's usually 
wanting to bring. That's my, that's in my yeah. opinion. Well, I mean, at some that's point, an opinion to me, but I think he wanted to also follow up to a, uh, to pimp a butterfly kind of thing. Like I think he wanted to continue on that kind of path. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is you, at some point you can't even really make the music you want to make. Right. You have to make the music that the label wants you to make. Correct. And I think that's, that's the Lupe Fiesco conundrum. Yep. Um, yep. There, you know, he was with Atlantic records and he's a great lyricist. He can, he can come up with great concepts for tracks and albums um, and interweave stories through albums in a crazy way. Um, right. But, you know, Atlantic wanted making him or him making radio hits. Right. And that's not the kind of rapper he is. Right. Like once he started making a superstar, mm-hmm. um, what was the other one that was, um, there was another one that was uh, from, I think it was on the lasers album. Um, and that's where, you know, he was just trying, he was just trying to get through it. Like yeah. even listening to lasers, I know he hated that album. Yeah, I and, then the lab- and then the label refused to drop it, and which, right, which, and it know, still sold records. <laughs> yeah, it didn't do great, but it still did, it did good enough. Like he had, I think I can't remember what the one single on there was um, that really uh, sold, but there was one that really did really yeah. well for him. Is that the and, one with um, the Troy sample on it? Yeah, yep, that's the one. Yep. And then he had he did a poker face too, right? He was on the poker face with, with comments. So he was doing more yeah. uh, mainstream songs and you could tell he hated that because everything that he's done after that point is not even anywhere close to that. Um, you've heard the Drogist wave and all those, all those other albums that he's dropped after, after that Tetsuo, last label. Tetsuo yeah. and Youth. Tetsuo and Youth, which is probably his second best album to me. Yeah, um, I think so. You know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a hard place to, to, to be. And it puts you in a bad state mentally. It puts you in a bad state mentally. I think it, I think it gets a lot of people uh, to a point where they just don't want to make music anymore. And we see that all the time, man. We see that all the time. Um, it, it is just the price of fame. And we see it in any in industry. We, um, I was trying to think uh, price of fame for uh, like the EDM world or just, just music in general in that dance thing, Avicii. Um, yeah. I mean, look what, look how quickly he blew up. He was such a young age when he blew up and then it it just succumbed his life. He didn't know what to do. Uh, Chester Pennington, um, from, from Lincoln park, Park. like that. Um, he kind of, he kind of goes into that, like almost that Kurt Cobain, even though he's older than him, but just, you could just see it, man. It's, uh, uh, they almost degenerate. Like you could see them breaking down and you can just see them breaking down and it, it, it's terrible to watch, man. And it's, it's once they reach that critical level, it is now past of, are you even living for yourself? Like, are you alive anymore? And that's where these guys get. And I I can't imagine that's such a scary feeling. Um, as me, honestly, being a parent, that's for me, that's where I'd be like, that's a scary feeling for me to be. And, um, I mean, I can't tell you, I can tell you for sure. I've definitely had suicidal thoughts before. Um, you know, but that's, that's something that you have to fight through. That's something that you have to continue to think about. And honestly, my kids are, and, and my family is what pushes me through everything. Um, but some people don't have that and that's, and that's a tough place to be. And these young kids, man, they don't have nothing. They came from nothing. They don't have good family members. They don't have 
good parenting. They don't have any of that to keep these people straight, man. And that's, and that's a lot of it too, man. Like you and I are both blessed. Like Paul, you talk about your parents all the time when we talk, um, we're blessed to have great parents. Your parents are good parents to you. Um, I was blessed to have a mother that was always willing to put everything in front of her kids and and making sure her kids are taken care of and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, having a great grand, my grandfather was there, uh, to really help me through life as the father figure, things like that. When you have that kind of things that, that can keep you on a great path, but these young kids, man, they don't have shit. (laughs) They're coming from the street and they just don't know any different. Like the price of fame is, they're getting out the hood. They, that's all they care about. That's all they worry about. They don't care about nothing else. They want to get out the hood. Um, it's a sad place to be. And not even just that of getting out of the hood or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it is just the, the guilt of it as, as quest love said in D'Angelo's situation, sometimes it is like you want to be able to help everybody, but you can't. And the only thing you can try to do is help yourself. And hopefully that will help somebody get to a point once you can help yourself, when you can get to that, that point. Um, but even then that, that could be just a reason for someone to take you out <laughs> as we've seen like in, in pop smoke and um, anybody else that's dealt with that, you know, just getting robbed for their chains or just getting robbed in general um, sports that happens, you know, big poppy almost getting assassinated um, oh, <laughs> even yeah. though that wasn't supposed to be him. Um, but still it's like he, he got shot. Like he could have been paralyzed. Um, you know, things like that just because of who he is, not because of anything else. So that's, that's a big, that's a big fear, man. That's a big fear for, for anybody. And, um, the price of fame, man, it, it's something that you have to take into consideration when you're trying to reach that next level. Um, and you're really trying to take it to a point of if, if, if it's really for something that you love, then just remember that's what it's for. It's for the love of what you do and not for what's going to be the outcome. And that's what you just have to remember. Um, once you stop to love it and it becomes more of a, a different reason, you don't have a perspective as to why you're doing it. Then maybe that's not, maybe that's the time for you to get out. Um, who knows? I, I can't tell you. I just know from my own, that's from my own standing that that's been something that's, uh, that's real. Um, you know, it's, it's just gotta be a real perspective there. So that's all I can say, man. Um, but all of you should definitely like, share, subscribe, um, do all of that. It, I really hope this was introspective for a lot of people. Um, this was an interesting concept or, or conversation. I think if you guys have any comments or something, just uh, get at us on Twitter or the new stories, new Instagram. Uh, Instagram has become a online shop now. <laughs> what is it? Alibaba, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually just posted that. It, says, it said uh, uh, this tweet on there. It had said... Um, Twitter is Instagram now and Instagram is a mall. What's next? Amazon is the state. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, pretty much uh, they're getting into prescription. They're getting into prescription drug game. So, um, Hey, they're going to be shipping them opioids one, <laughs> one box at a time. You get them shits every, hey. every day, bro. <laughs> they, got the, they got the same people that put us in the opioid crisis making a <laughs> vaccine, yo, for the fucking coronavirus. So. 
and shipping it through Amazon, yeah, bro. Yeah. Get that shit tomorrow. <laughs> they can, can you get the vaccine on Prime? That's, I, I mean, that's I think that's what they're about to do. I mean, that makes sense, bro. The Amazon Everybody. driver just comes and sticks you. Boop. <laughs> Bro, that's what's gonna happen, dog. They're about to put them shits in Amazon boxes. Them bitches gonna—they're—they're they're way more effective than the fucking post office. So I mean, <laughs> you can wait for like a day, and it's not like life, life or death that you need to pick up that afternoon or something. Hey, that shit is smart as fuck. Amazon is about to murder with that right there. Holy shit, getting totally off topic, but still, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Hit us up on, on the Twitter, man. Uh, that's Antidote Pauly, P-A-U-L-I-E. Um, I am DJ underscore Craftmatic, C-R-A-F-T-M-A-T-I-C. Uh, holler us out on Twitter. Uh, we are both on Instagram as well. You can hit us up on the Take the Antidote page. Yeah. Um, go to TakeTheAntidote.com. All of that shit, bro. TakeTheAntidote.com. Thanks for tuning in. And Make sure you share this shit. It's on Spotify, man. You you guys can't tell me that this isn't a dope concept to do and have on a show. You'd be stupid. <laughs> 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 I'm just talking shit. It's fun. Um, hey, thank you guys so much for listening. If you do listen, we appreciate you so much. We are out. Please subscribe. Please leave us a five-star review. TakeTheAntidote.com. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is DJ Craftmatic checking back in with my guy, and you already know who it is. It's Polly Dubs in this video. Yo, Yo. Yeah, we got that track of the week. That got that shit. track of the week, that fire, bro. We always uh, put you on, man. We try to put you up on game all the time. So, new song, man. The new track of this week. Uh, let's get right into it. We actually have a rapper from the UK. (laughs) Don't be too mad at us, bro. Actually, it's really good. So we're going to talk about this artist, Loyal Carner. Loyal Carner out of South London. Um, Man, he's he's actually probably the one of the only UK rappers I can truly tolerate, but <laughs> I don't mean to be no disrespect, but there's very few. I think, um, I think a lot of it is his beat selection. He usually yes. goes for more of boom bap kind of style beats. So he has that kind of relaxed nineties kind of flow on his shit. So it's not the, the 120 BPM shit. Not even just that, man. It's, it's their accent. It's really hard to understand. Yeah. It's really hard to get through. And a, a a English accent on rapping is really hard to get through. Um, but Loyal actually makes it fairly easier for me um, just because he does have a nice flow. He actually can flow. He, he rhymes really well. Um, and then, yeah, his beat selection. Uh, he's We've talked about him a little bit because he's worked with uh, artists that we familiarize ourselves with pretty much on here. Uh, Tom Mish is one of his frequent mm-hmm. collaborators that we fuck with heavy. Um, we actually had him on the song of the week, uh, Water Baby, one time. So go listen to one of our past episodes and you'll check that out. Um, <laughs> so you'll definitely know, uh, we, we know about some music in this guy, but anyways, loyal Carner, man, he came in. Sounds like he's gearing up for a project, right? Polly sounds like he's, he's setting yeah. up for an album. Yeah. So this one, uh, it's produced by Mad Lib. Uh, one of Boom. our favorite producers. I mean, it's fucking Mad Lib, dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he better be one of your you favorite producers that? too, right? He's an all-time legend. Um, yes. And one thing about Mad Lib too is he always kind of finds dudes a little off the radar to work with. 
He does. I'm surprised that this reached his radar. I really am. Yeah, for sure. Because Loyal Carner is kind of a, he's got a good following, um, but primarily overseas. Yeah. Mostly overseas. Yeah. Primarily in England and Europe. Um, but this and, is going to help him get that crossover now. Yeah. And it kind of, the end of the song kind of thing makes it sound like it's the beginning of a project uh, that they're working on together. Yep. But mad loyal know. son, mad loyal. I, mad I hope that loyal. becomes a real thing. If that's a real that's thing, that's a dope ass name. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a dope ass name. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's even almost like the mad villainy shit, you know, mad yep. lip and MF doom. But even then that's mad loyal is super dope. Uh, so yeah anyways we got to get into this track it is fire Uh, we guarantee you that you're gonna love this damn track it is called yesterday produced by mad lib loyal carner check this shit out right here on the antidote podcast here we go one 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 peace 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 Watching money lead it men astray Fooling in and out of light as the heavens spray Aye. We mix the whiskey with the lemonade Aye. Trying to counteract the methylphenidate Used to laugh when I said it made my belly ache My belly ached every day, yo it never changed Aye. I wasn't ready for the grave Aye. But I was ready to be paid Trust, I know we're never getting saved 24 mixed race, living 12 years a slave Aye. It was only yesterday Aye. Grandfather getting knuckled by the pepper spray More fire brings the riot like a renegade Seeing him setting fire to rain as the letters fade No doubt I was raised out the south Tell your ex-boyfriend to keep my name out his mouth I've been in and out to drag the pain out the house Being brave, something proud, say my name, I'm a bow Yeah, come to Yeah, I'm gonna die. 